today, um, again, uh, you know, we're going to preach on a tough, a tough topic, but it's a topic that I think that we all need to hear about. Uh, not for any particular reason, just because, it, you know, oftentimes I say when I preach, I usually preach about things that are, you know, being stirred up in my own heart and things that I'm thinking about and that the Lord is kind of like um, pressing into me. And so uh, today um, we're going to preach out of the book of James. It's going to be chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. And um, it's about taming the tongue. Uh, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough passage. Um, uh, fun fact, this isn't patting myself on the back or tooting my own horn, but James is the only book in the Bible that I ever memorized. Correction. I memorized every chapter except for the second half of the last chapter because I felt like while I was doing it, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I felt like I was doing it just to do it, not because I was trying to do it for the right reason. But it is important to memorize scripture. But James is a very practical book, so I would encourage you to read that book and apply it to your lives. But um, before we get started, I want to just, I, I always tell you guys I'm a numbers guy. I always tell you guys that there are certain things that really appeal to me, and numbers are one of those things. And I came across a statistic that shocked me, and I wasn't sure I believed it, but I read that the average person speaks. Seven to 10,000 words a day. Seven to 10,000 words a day. For some of you, that's probably doubled. Uh, some of you, that may be cut in half. I don't know. But uh, for me, I'm a pretty talkative person uh, when I want to be. Uh, but estimated, that comes out to about 11 million words a year. Uh, that's a lot of words. Um, and so. Uh, it's a lot of opportunity to either build somebody up or tear somebody down. Would you agree with that statement? That's a lot of, a lot of chance to either build somebody up, shoot them down. And so we have to be mindful of what we're saying, why we're saying it. And to go along with those uh, statistics, I want to give you a couple of fun facts about words and, uh, you know, just uh, numbers. The longest English word is nearly, nobody's going to believe this, 190,000 letters long. And I can tell you, it's the chemical, chemical composition of Titan. It's the largest known protein. 190,000 letters long. Who decided that it would be a good idea to make it that long? And who also decided it wouldn't be a good idea to stop maybe at like 10,000 or 5,000? I mean, you got to draw a line somewhere. Um, there's a word for all things, if you didn't know, all things breakfast. If you're hungry and you want everything breakfast, um, Pastor John, that's, that's it's you probably. Uh, that word's gentacular. So if you show up to like Holiday Inn, you say, I want the gentacular, that means everything. And they'll give it to you. So gentacular. Lastly, there's a word to refer to the day before yesterday. Does anybody know that word? Day before yesterday. That word is nudiestertion. Probably not even pronouncing it right, but I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try it again. Nudiestertion. Nudiestertion. Yes, that is it. So now you can tell when you leave here today, you can tell your friends that you're smarter than all them. Do not do that. You will be a proud prideful person and not a humble servant as we strive to be here. All right, on to our passage, Taming the Tongue, James 
chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read this. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our, our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come bless, blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. So what James is what he's saying here is the tongue is it has the ability to go out, I mean, and start just, you know, you see a small spark, and that can easily turn into this big massive fire, and you see it all the time. You see a whole forest caught on fire. And so there's so much in this passage that we could go on for days. However, today we aren't gonna do that because obviously I set my watch for 30 minutes. But um, I want to just go over some points that I think are very important that we understand and that we take with us today. So it's clear that James is trying to let us know that even though the tongue is one of the smallest parts of the body, it can do so much. It can do so very much. In fact, to sum it up plainly, he says it can either give life or it can take life. I mean, that's pretty much what he says. I mean, with our tongues, we either give life we share the gospel. We, we can lead somebody to salvation. We can lead them to eternity with Christ. Obviously, he does that, but we are a vessel in and through that. And this is incredible when you think about it. And the tongue um, has the ability not only share the gospel, but it has the ability to have somebody killed if you wanted to, right? I mean, I know that's a little bit extreme, but you could do one or, one, or, one or the other. And it's extreme to think that the tongue has that much power. I know those are two very powerful examples. So let me try and break down this passage briefly and quickly. And we'll get to some teaching aspects um, of our sermon this morning. So on our first slide, it says, our words matter. Oh, so also, that's, that's I'm sorry, that's, there we go. Second slide, my apologies. Our words matter. So words are incredibly are incredibly powerful, guys. They can build up, they can encourage, they can motivate. Words can also do this. I mean, they can tear down, they can hurt, and they can cause horrible scars, and we know this. Remember the saying as kids, you've heard this probably over and over again as a child, and you probably haven't heard it in a very long time, but it says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that really true? I don't really think so. I think at the time when you're a child, maybe you believe that's true, but I don't think that's true. Some of us are living, and I'll include myself in this, I'm living with hurtful words that others have spoken to me years and years and years ago, and I'm sure you are too, and if you don't actually remember those words, I think in your subconscious you probably have somewhere deep down inside, you are molded and, and have been shaped by the words that people have spoke to you. In fact, there are so many instances I remember in high school that kids would make remarks or they would, you know, say things to me. Um, in fact, I remember the, there was this day at lunch and there was this kid who sat next to me. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade and I had very crowded teeth and he made a comment about my teeth and I'll never forget who he was. I'll never forget his name. I'll never forget what he, what he looked like. Um, I'm not going to say his name because if he's watching this, I don't want to. I don't want him to cry or hurt his feelings. 
But um, I remember the statement that he made because it made such a profound impact on me, and it hurt. It, it wounded me, you know, and, and that was just something about my physical appearance. We're not talking about things that are much bigger than that. Um, and so even if there are things that we do uh, say to people that are hurtful and negative and they don't remember, they still stay with them, like I said, in their subconscious, and they shape who they, come, who, who they become. Um, I think I said this last time I preached, but I once heard my dad say behind closed doors to my uncle that I was not going to live to be past the age of 25. And I remember when I heard that statement, I never forgot it, and it tore me up. And I couldn't figure out why he, he made that statement. I, I know that I was living a rough life, but when you hear your own father say that, could you imagine God making a statement like that about you, saying that you are my child, but you are not going to live, and you are not going to be useful to me um, any longer? You know, we want to know that we're always going to be useful to God. And, um, and with our parents, you know, when we're that young... Um, I needed to know that my dad believed in me. And when I heard that statement, um, that had a profound impact on me, and I never forgot it. The Bible reminds us that, the, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Words matter to God. He keeps a record of our words. Jesus said, I tell you, that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Matthew 12.36 says, uh, that's in Matthew 12.36, Jesus spoke plainly about our use of words. He tells us, for every careless word, there will be an account in the day of judgment. We expect Jesus to condemn profane and vile use of the tongue, but idle words. We say some words carelessly without concern for their impact on others. Why would God care about those? We assume that the sins of the tongue are minor sins, sins that God will overlook, but Jesus was fully aware of the devastating nature of our words. It is, a, it is probably one of the most scary things to me in the entire walk of the Christian faith to realize that God memorizes every single word that we say. I mean, think about that. Every single word that we say, he memorizes. And I don't think that we, I don't think that we actually consciously keep that in the forefront of our minds. I mean, I don't, but I mean, it's a serious thing. I mean, he, we're going to be held accountable for all the good we said, all the bad we said, and it's a scary thing because I know for me, there are things that come out of my mouth that I wish had not come out of my mouth and that I wish that I could take back. Um, our second point here is how to use our words, how to use our words. The Bible has a lot to say about how we use our words. Here are a few biblical principles about how to use our words. The first thing, refrain from attack words. Refrain from attack words. We do not want to attack people with our words. This is not good. Words can be used as weapons to lash into people. Sometimes our goal is to hurt people by what we say. The first thing some people do in the morning is brush their teeth. And in the same sense, while they're brushing their teeth, you know what they're doing? They're sharpening that tongue so they can go out and they can, they can do what they need to do. And so the first, uh, you know, words cut, they cut like a knife. We want to stick that dagger in deep. God does not want us to use our words as a weapon. He wants us to use our words to bless others. Jesus says in Matthew 5, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Can you imagine, can you imagine this? I think about this all the time. Can you imagine if someone came up to you and started talking about how bad or terrible somebody was and that person, you know, just lashed out on this person and said, hey, you know, so-and-so is such a bad man and he just can't do anything right and he's just like the worst person ever and you came back and you said something along the lines of this. Um, yeah, but what about all the good things that person is? You know, what about all the good that he does, you know? What about, like, what about all the stuff that he's done to build, you know, certain things? What about all the people he's helped? Can you imagine the response you'd probably get from the person that said that comment to you about how bad that person was? That'd be a very awkward moment, wouldn't it? But that's the kind of people that we need to be. We need to be the kind of people that are able to combat those negative moments so that somebody knows that we're not going to feed into that negative gossip and that negative slander, because if you feed into it, let me tell you, you are just as guilty as the person that's spitting it out. If you're going to sit there and you're going to let it slip into your soul and you're going to let it mold and shape who you think that person is, because I will tell you this firsthand, there have been many instances where I have not known somebody at all and somebody has come up to me and they have said, hey, did you know so-and-so was this or they were that? And, you know, they've, they've uh, displayed what kind of character this person had and said they're this way or they're that way. And without really being able to help it, it's already ingrained in my brain, right? It's already in our brain. It's stuck up there. Now, I may meet that person, right? And I may see that person, and I may find out that they are totally different than what that person told me they were. They could be totally different. And I found this to be true so many times. So many times this has been found to be true. And even though they're different, you know what really is a struggle for me? Is that sometimes it's really hard for me to get that first initial statement that that person made to me about who that person was out of my head. It's hard. And even though it's not true, it's a hard thing to do. It's just like, it's there. And so it's something that if you are that kind of person that is going out saying, hey, this person's that or this or that, what is your, ask yourself this question. What is your purpose and reason for doing that? Why are you saying what you're saying? Why are you gossiping and slandering about that person? Why are you tearing them down? So can you, you know, like I said, can you imagine what it would be like? Remember, next time somebody tries to come up to you and talk badly about somebody, please do your best to talk about the positive things that that person is instead of the negative that that person is trying to tell you that they are. The next one is refrain from gossip. B, refrain from gossip. We need to be careful about news that we share concerning others. Someone said there was only one thing as difficult as unscrambling an egg, and that's unspreading a rumor. Gossip is destructive and it's subtle. Someone begins a conversation, did you hear? Before you know it, you're caught up in gossip. Don't believe everything you hear, someone said. A gossip usually makes a mountain out of a molehill by adding some dirt. Be careful about listening to gossip. Is listening to gossip all that much worse than telling it? I just mentioned to you. There's a saying. He who gossips to you will gossip about you. Let me go ahead and say that again. He who gossips to you will gossip about you. That is a part of who they are. That is a part of their character. That is a part of their nature. 
So just remember while you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, they're just talking about this person. Uh, mark my words, it's not going to be very long before that person is talking right behind your back just the way they were talking about the person's back that they were just referring to. So just remember that. You know, we want to stay away from those kind of people. Um, and even if we don't stay away from them, we do have an obligation to correct them. And there's a pattern and a process to go through to let them know this is not right. So we refrain from gossip. So the Bible warns us, the one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. <laughs> That's the HCSB. Whoever translated that, they were pretty blunt. Avoid someone with a big mouth. Uh, a contrary man spreads conflict and a gossip separates friends. Proverbs 16.28. Proverbs 16.28. Um, so watch out for gossip. It is true that you are in fact as guilty by listening and not defending as the one who sits and slanders in front of you, as I said. Letter C, use clean words. Letter C, use clean words. Some words are just not proper to speak. When we hear kids, when we were kids, our parents would wash our mouths out with soap, mine did anyway, if we said such negative words or bad words. Having a foul mouth is not something to be proud of. Some words are just not supposed to be said. We know that. The Bible is very clear that there are just some words that we don't say. I don't think we need to address those words because I'm pretty sure that most of us know what they are, and I'm not going to sit up here in the pulpit and tell you what words that you should not let come out of your mouth. Letter D, use truthful words. We want to use truthful words. It's a C, but it's letter D. Jesus said, but let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Matthew 5.37. People need to believe what we say. Lying destroys our credibility. Chances are that we'll eventually be caught if we make a practice of lying. Therefore, trust is broken, and it will take a very long time to build that trust back up. I heard a story about a woman who was hosting guests for dinner. She decided to serve chicken, and she told the butcher she'd like to buy a chicken. The butcher opened his freezer case and saw only one chicken, and he put it on the scale, and he said two pounds. And the lady responded, oh, I wanted a bigger one than that. And the butcher, not wanting to lose the sale, took the chicken off the scale. He put it back in the freezer and pulled out the same chicken, his last chicken, and said three pounds. The woman answered, great, I'll take both of them. The butcher had a problem. He wasn't honest. So let the words that flow out of your mouth be truthful. Remember, let the words flow out of your mouth be truthful. Letter E, use edifying words. We missed D some here, uh, our, our, our letters. Just don't disregard the letters. Letter E, use edifying words. The Bible says no rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up, up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29 says that. The Bible challenges us to use words to help people to build others up and not tear them down. A popular Zig Ziglar saying is, he climbs highest who helps another up. Our words can have an incredibly positive effect. How many of us have found great comfort or encouragement because of what someone said to us? Don't underestimate the value of an encouraging word. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a bad mood or have had a rough day and had somebody come up to me and say, hey, you know, I'm really, really proud of what you did, or, you know, uh, I, I love, you know, my wife, you know, made a comment the other day about how I interact with my boys, and it made me feel really good, you know, so there are, just as much as we have the ability to tear down, just remember that it's just as important, guys, to encourage people, 
you could have the gift of encouragement. So remember, we can go up to people and sometimes it's just a smile. You know, just smiling at somebody is enough to make somebody feel good. You know, you don't want to be that person who always is walking around like everything's all just bad and gloom and doom. You know, have a smile on your face. Be willing, be, be willing and ready to encourage. Um, just find some way to make conversation. Find some way to tell somebody that you love them, that you care about them. You know, it's important that we do those kind of things. Perhaps you're thinking, um, okay, Pastor John, you made your point. I need to make some changes on the way I use my tongue, but how do I do it? Perhaps you tried to make some changes in your speech, but in the end, it failed. If you want to know what you can do to succeed, succeed this time, you have to transform your tongue. The Bible says we have to transform our tongue. Transforming the tongue begins with a change of your heart, just like your salvation. Your salvation does not begin with a change in your head. It begins with a change in your heart. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a man. That's in Matthew 15, 18. The heart influences the tongue. When it is full of anger, selfishness, envy, pride, and all the other ugly stuff that can invade our hearts, we are affected by everything that we do. I heard a joke about some children played on their, they played on their grandfather. Um, they found him asleep on the sofa in the living room. One of the youngest got the bright idea to spread some Limburger cheese in Grandpa's mustache. After a while, Grandpa woke up and began to smell that Limburger cheese and said, something in this living room really, really smells. He went to the kitchen, still smelling the Limburger cheese in his mustache, and said, something in this room stinks too. Finally, he stuck his head out the back door and says, ah, the whole world stinks. Some of us have Limburger cheese in our hearts. The problem is not out there, it's within us. Something needs to change within us. Our focus needs to be transformed. Instead of looking for the bad in the situation, guys, we need to look for the good instead of being preoccupied with self-interest. We need to focus on the interest of others. Changing our hearts is the best place to start. And we're going to be wrapping up here shortly. We need to think before we speak. We need to pray before we speak. The Bible teaches, my dearly beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. James 1, 19 through 20. Guard against, engage, guard against engaging the tongue without engaging the mind. Take a moment before you speak. I want to give you an acrostic to help evaluate whether you're about to say something that you shouldn't. And before I do that, I want to tell you about a man that I knew that um, I recognized. One of the first things I recognized about this man was he was a man of very few words. His name was Jay Walsh. He was the director of the Men's Care Center. And I could never figure it out, but he never really spoke a lot. And I couldn't figure out why. I was like, why does this guy never talk? And I finally started to figure it out that the less that he said, he realized that there was less chance that he was going to say something that was going to um, dishonor God. The less you say, you have the better chance of dishonoring God. And so the acrostic is the word think. The first letter is T. Is it true? The second letter is H. Is it helpful? The third letter is I. Is it inspiring? The fourth letter is N. Is it necessary? And the fifth letter is K. Is it kind? I know that's not something that's going to be easily remembered next time you think about saying something, but it really, really is helpful when you think about what you're going to say 
before you say it. If what you're about to say does not pass that simple test, then don't say it. Just think before you speak. Tap into God's help. This help is available to us. Who can tend the human tongue? Jesus can. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. Paul reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed, and new things have come. Jesus can give us the desire and motivation to change. Most of all, he can give us the ability to make that change with our tongue. Paul commented, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Countless lives have been, have been transformed through Christ. Jesus specializes as a change agent. Let him do his work in your life. In conclusion, wrapping up, I will say this. So what should we do to tame the tongue? What do we do? Because in, in that passage that James, that he, that he reads off, he basically makes it seems like it's impossible. He makes it seems like it's, it's a task that nobody can do, that nobody can accomplish. So what are we supposed to do to tame our tongue? Do we just put a piece of tape over our mouth and not say anything for the whole day? Probably for some of us, that might not be a bad idea. But no, that's not how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to be able to live speaking in a righteous way. So in conclusion, I would say this. While many people have quit smoking or drinking by the power of human will, the problem of the heart and the tongue cannot be solved by human will or power. We can't solve this by our own, our own human will or power. It takes the power of the resurrected Christ within us to control the tongue, and that power is available only to us who turn our lives over to Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. As with so many things in life, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Remember, with God, all things are possible. He can help change your tongue. He can help you from talking badly about people. He can help you to encourage people. He can help you to do all these things that seem very difficult. There is only one who can control the tongue. Only by God's spirit living within us can we hope to gain control over our tongues. He convicts us when we sin with our lips. And with that conviction, he drives us to repent and pray for more filling of the Holy Spirit so that we can avoid further sin. As we cling to him and yield to him in obedience, he controls us more and more, including our tongues, day by day. Let us always remember this verse, James 1.9. Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is the last passage, and we're going to wrap up in prayer. I'm not only referencing what you say to human, human beings, uh, brothers and sisters, I'm also referencing what you say to God. Don't be so quick and hasty to rush to God just to say whatever, because you may be saying something to God that's just like totally off the cuff and not even real, not realize it. The Bible says that, remember that God is in heaven and you are on earth. Do not be quick to rush and just utter anything before him. We have to realize who we're speaking to. And, and not only does that go for God, that goes for human beings. Realize who you're speaking to or realize who is speaking to you before you make a decision on whether you want to base that as a fact or fiction, right? You want to make a decision. Is this true or is this not true? And the last thing you want to do is walk out of that person or that conversation and go and share something that you have no idea whether it's true or not. Because guess what? That's, that, that went from a spark to a little bit of a bigger spark 
And guess what? It's only going to be days or weeks before the entire church is set on fire and there's poison set all throughout it. And we do not need that in our church. Does everybody agree with that? We want to be a church that is full of integrity, honesty. We walk in uprightness. We want to know that everything that we say, people can trust what we're saying. People can know that it's truth. And that's the end of the story, bottom line. No more, no less. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. So in this, we stand a chance of pleasing our Heavenly Father with the words that come out of our mouths. Let me close in prayer, please. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I know this is a very difficult passage to talk about. And I know it's very difficult for all of us to be able to tame our tongue. I know it's difficult for us to be able to refrain from talking about people because oftentimes, Lord, sometimes when we do that, it helps us to build ourselves up and bring other people down. And maybe it helps people look at us in a, in, a, in a better light. But at the end of the day, you are going to hold us accountable and you know what's true. So regardless of what man thinks about us, Father, it doesn't matter if we feel like we're building ourselves up in the eyes of the church congregation or this person or that person. What matters most is whether or not we're building ourselves up in your eyes, Lord, by being obedient, by doing what the Bible says, by listening to your word, by being doers and not just hearers of the word. God, we're so thankful to be here this morning. We know that we can't do this under our own power. So my prayer for all of us in this room is that we would plead with you on a daily basis to sharpen our tongues to speak truth, love, grace, mercy, compassion, all these things that are going to help encourage and mold and motivate people to be who they need to be. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.